The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live! From MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of BTL. Back on another Thursday, as we always are each and every week. There's a lot to discuss. We have the UFC taking MSG by storm. Two new champions crowned. Bellator bringing a banger of a fight card that not even Bellator seems to care about since it might be their final one and a whole lot more. But joining me to discuss all of these things, the panelists, the combatants, if you will. First, let us say hello to Mr. Hot Take, Mr. No Gray Area, one of the betting gurus over at MAFighting.com and the man who is victorious in one of the all-time biggest robberies in the history of MMA debates on the ranking show earlier this week, he is Mr. Jed Mishu. Hello, Jed. <laughs> you don't even believe that, Mike. That, that's the thing. You know I'm right. Everyone knows I'm right. It's not even a matter of debate. It's just facts. Let's get right. Let, let's get our, our our my opponent's opinion on this particular matter before we kick. We're going off, to, Mike. Okay, no, 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 good. We're, we're going to. Good. Good to know. We're going to discuss this, don't worry. And the aforementioned opponent, one of the most exciting fighters you will see compete, whether he's gloved or ungloved, the man who maybe had the most vicious finish of the weekend in combat sports, the man that you'll probably have to vote for at the end, because if you don't, he may just come find you and knock your damn teeth out. I kid, but let us welcome back the man who finished Jason Knight in the exciting co-main event of Gamebred Bare Knuckle just six days ago. Fellow New Englander, Mr. Randy Costa. Randy, you insane SOB. How are you? Dude, I'm good, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, this weekend was crazy, dude. This weekend was crazy. 
Yes, and I want to talk about this before we get into all of this because obviously congratulations on the win. All week through social media, Randy, and the press conferences and interviews, etc., there is this like sort of aura to you in the build to this fight. Now, I'm not a psychologist, nor do I pretend to be, but it seemed like your mentality was, well, this is going to be nuts. I'm ready to do this. But also it seemed like a part of you is like, what the hell am I doing here? And there's no turning back. But then you went out there and performed the way that you did. And immediately in the aftermath of the fight, I was like, you know what? Mike Perry's probably the face of bare knuckle boxing, but Randy Costa might just end up being the face of bare knuckle MMA. It just seemed like you loved this so much and you want to do it more. Is that in the ballpark somewhere? Like you came in just thinking like, oh my God. And then you ended it like, I want to do this a million more times. Yeah. So I'll, I mean, I'll address the first thing and the most important thing, which um, I platinum Mike Perry actually said that I have performance of the night. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm welcomed into the cool kids, bare knuckle community at this point. I've been <laughs> blessed in, uh, but dude, that was, uh, that was crazy, man. Um, yeah, dude, this, this, the whole, the whole past year has, uh, has really sucked and Friday was, uh, was really good. Um, Friday looked fantastic. <clears throat> Nothing could have been better. It was like, it was, it was perfect, man. I went in, I did like big time damage. I did a big time showcase over somebody that I probably shouldn't have done that over. Uh, and I came out with zero injuries at all whatsoever. I'm not sure what I did right, uh, but I beat the game and I'm excited for whatever's next. For sure, for sure. And speaking of of of, um, of them not having like a face of bare knuckle, I mean, what the fuck, man? I'm here. I mean, I'm, I'm exciting to watch, right? Like, what the fuck? Why not me? I mean, who knows what's going to happen, dude? It's a very, very weird, interesting time that I never, ever in a million years. I mean, dude. And what fucking alternate universe am I doing bare knuckle at my man succeeding in it? It's like, it's just asinine. It doesn't make sense, but I'm here for it, dude. I'm excited for what's next. <laughs> if I told you like, there you go. If, if I told you like nine months ago, cause you mentioned how tough of a year this has been for you. Cause you had a bunch of fights booked and it seemed like they all fell apart. Some even like the day of the fight. So you had, I mean, you've had to make a lot of changes because of that. Cause you have to make money and you have to fight in order to make money. If I asked you nine months ago, Hey, all this is going to come out in your favor, but you're going to do bare knuckle MMA and not fight for CES or any local MMA promotion. Would you believe me if I said, Hey, your path back is, is bare knuckle MMA. Um, nothing was really, out was really like out of the question. I mean, bare knuckle, bare knuckle MMA, like, fuck no. Like that, that's, that was out of the question. I wasn't doing bare knuckle, but, um, dude, I just like this last year, Mike, it like really actually fucking sucked. Like I'm super vocal and super like, you know, positive on social media, this, that, the other thing, dude. But, like, everything behind the scenes from, like, my personal life, my family, dude. Like, everything was fucking shit, man. Everything was shit. So, like, I, I, I definitely, I, I held on to a belief and I held on to some positivity that this, that this shit can't last forever, dude. Like, I'm not, it, like, everything's not going to suck forever. Like, there's going to be, there's going to be an end point. Um... And I think I found that end point, dude, because things seem to be going pretty up at this point. And I'm, I'm super grateful and super grounded to be in the situation that I'm in, man. I, I feel very lucky and I'm excited for whatever's next. Can, can you talk about some of the, the turmoil you went through over this past year? Like, I don't want to get too personal with you, but yeah. is there anything you I mean, can talk I'll, about? I'll dump a little bit, man. I mean, I, I was in, I went to Mexico right after, I, so right after that, that, that fight in the UFC was October 1st or something. Uh, I went through like a, a pretty, pretty, like pretty bad breakup. Uh, I lost my UFC contract, lost my fight. This was all in the same week. 
I bounced up to Mexico, dude. I had no intention of coming back, bro. I, I sold everything, bro. Everything, my car, everything, bro. I had like, I have four duffel bags to my name and a suitcase, bro. Like I have shit. I'm back at my parents' house now. And then like, I'd had zero plans, dude. I went like, you know, I, I was just work, I was just in diving. I was just doing a ton of stuff with scuba diving, bro. I had plans to like work in the dive in- industry and I was, I was meeting a lot of people and, and, and traveling a lot. I was backpacking around Mexico, dude. And then I got a call from from my family that there was there was, there was a a pretty significant illness in the family, and I had to fucking come home for it, man. And I came home. I didn't. I wasn't like, I wasn't planning. This, I wasn't. I wasn't planning to fight. But I got news of 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 some pretty shitty stuff at home. I got a fight offer, and I found Tulum Muay Thai, and this was like all back to back to back. I found love for training again, dude. I planned to come back here in June. If I lost that fight, bro, I was going back to Mexico, and that that was the end of that. There was no more fighting. I only took that fight so I could come back here and be with my family during that shitty time. And then I was like, fuck it. We'll see what we can do, man. And then it turned into one in, in, in like, July 29th. The, the kid pulled out, like, you know, a week before the fight or something. So I'm like, well, I'm here. It's the fucking summertime. Like, <laughs> the weather's warm. I guess I don't really have an excuse right now. So I got booked for September 15th. Fucking kid pulls out two weeks before the fight. Back on the hunt, we take an even tougher fight. We can take the fight against, I mean, I'm not even going to mention his name. He pulled out the day of the fight. I took that fight. That was, that was like a bigger lo- New England fight, bigger local fight. He pulled out the day of the fight. And then, and then I got an opportunity to take this kind of fight. And then it was like, dude, I made up my mind, dude. If I had lost that fight, that was it. So I got offered the craziest opportunity and I said, fuck it, dude. We're just going to send it, bro. We're going to send it. If it lands, it lands. We're going to roll the dice. We're going to see what happens. And honestly, man, it couldn't have played out better. And life is good right now. And somehow I found myself living back in Massachusetts. So if you had lost that fight, you were done? That was it? Dude, I was out, bro. If I lost that fight in June, I was out, bro. If I lost if I lost that fight against Jason, I was out. I was going back to fucking to, to Latin America, bro. I was going I was going back back into scuba diving, bro. Like I had no plans, but now it's just like, dude, fuck it, man. I'm here. I showed I showed everything that I believed in and that my coaches believed in. Right? I feel like I feel like this was for lack of a better term, like a coming out party for me, dude. Like, I feel like this was like a real actual showcase of the potential that I have. I always knew I had a high ceiling, right? I, I had like, even, even my UFC run was, was, wasn't necessarily good, but I showed a lot of potential and a lot in a high ceiling. I mean, I got in the UFC really early, dude. I had four fights before I got in the UFC. I'd never even been punched in the face until I got in the UFC and fought my debut. Like I learned to fight in the UFC. So I feel like at this point, like there's, there's a lot of maturity that I've developed and a lot of lessons learned. And I feel like We've turned a corner and I might be onto something, man. And I'm only 29 years old, dude. Like I still have a lot of time in the sport and a lot of damage to be done in the sport. Like I, I can put I can put a dent in and really stir shit up on how on how it's going. And I think now with where I am in my life, like professionally and mentally and spiritually, I feel like everything's just coming together and we're gonna do something pretty cool. And I think Friday was a big step in that direction. I assume uh, the bosses talk to you, and I know you called for a fight in January. I assume that's going to be a very big card, and I assume you're going to be on this card, right? I'm sure you don't have anything like set in stone yet, but I assume they have plans for you to compete on the next card in January. You're talking about the Game Bread card, I'm assuming, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, George and, and all those guys have have uh, have expressed interest in having me on that card, uh, and dude, I'm, I mean, I'm about it. I just. Dude, I faced a big fear going to fight that fight, man. Like, the the kryptonite, you watch my fights, man. The kryptonite style to my style is Jason Knight's style. Like, a fucking, a dude that has nasty jiu-jitsu, can take a lot of damage, is going to walk forward and try to walk me down. And I passed that test with flying colors. I did, I made him, I made him, 
and I have a, I have all the respect in the world for Jason. Jason's like he's the man. I, I admire him as a competitor, as a fighter. He's fucking really good. But I made I made him look like he belonged. Like I I was fighting him on like the local scene. Like that was like a there was there was a clear skill discrepancy there that I finally was able to fucking show and, and show people that I I I believe that I'm actually that good. Like I'm that guy. And it's nice that I had that performance over him in his backyard, in his sport. Like, he was, like, the guy for bare-knuckle MMA. And, dude, let's be real, bro. I wasn't flown in that, into, that, into that fight to, to go win that fight, bro. I was, I was in there to get for, for Jason to run a showcase on me and get signed back in the UFC. Because, dude, quite frankly, he should have been in the UFC after the Ultimate Fighter. He won that fight on the Ultimate Fighter in, like, a minute or something like that. And the kid that he submitted all loved to land in got signed to the UFC already, and Jason hasn't. And then, he, and then there's only loss on that show was that crazy fucking fight against Kurt Holubo, who won the show, right? So I go in there. I'm the B-side fighter. I'm a fucking 35er in a sport that I've never competed in, and I go in and I do that kind of thing. It's like, hey, man, like, I might be on to something here. I, I, I think we may have turned a corner, and I'm, I'm super thankful um, for, my, for my coaches, Lozon and Rebello in particular, for never giving up on me and forever believing, with me, believing in me because here we are now. That's sassy Greg Rubello. Shout out to Greg Rubello. But uh, congratulations again. If we have some time at the end, we'll uh, we'll have the peeps fire a few questions your way because I'm sure there's a lot of fascination with bare knuckle. Jed shaking his head like, Jed, this what do you is want bullshit, to Mike. This is bullshit. <laughs> I, how do I win now? I'm already fighting an uphill batter going against the fighter, and now I got that to compete with. It's fucking over. We can just do the vote and call it. I've already lost. It's bullshit. Just XL right now, bro. Listen. I was on that ranking show. This is my revenge. So welcome to Revenge BTL, Jed Mishu, and I hope you stay for the whole time. But let's get into this. Let's talk UFC 295, gentlemen, because while Randy Costa has broken bare-knuckle MMA, Alex Pereira continues to break actual MMA. He's broken the sport and the rankings as we know it. 11 pro MMA fights, just seven UFC fights, and he's a two-division champion after stopping Yuri Prohoshka in the second round. Randy Costa, as a man who has broken bare-knuckle MMA, Alex Pereira is a two-division glory champ. Now he's a two-division UFC champion in a very short span of actual fights in mixed martial arts. What do you make of this accomplishment? Because it just doesn't make any sense to me what this man has done in such a short amount of time. Dude, it's honestly insane, man, because... Every, every single one of his performances are a spectacle. He has such little fights. He's going, he's flirting with two divisions, has like a crazy rivalry with, with the 185 guy, right? And, and meanwhile, he's doing all this, has all this fanfare, all, all this stuff. And like, Pajeda's the man, dude, but he's a stone face and lacks any kind of like charisma, but everybody loves him, dude. You can sign me up anytime he's fighting, bro. He doesn't even have to talk. He doesn't have to do anything, man. If he just does that bow and arrow thing when he walks out, man, I'm all for it. And you can sign me up for any kind of fight that he has always. Jed, it's, it's, it's been five days since Alex did this damn thing. And we've talked about it on the ranking show. We talked about it on the post-fight show. Five days later, does this make any sense to you? This is just so crazy and incredible. And I just don't know if we'll, this will ever happen again something like this i mean it makes sense in the like he's he's good at fighting i said on the ranking show he's he's obviously good at fighting but i'm not sure that he's good at fighting he keeps beating good dudes so we know he is good at fighting but like 
we just don't know where he is. And it, it makes sense with how this is all developed, right? Like I, we know that his skill set is among the best in the world at what he does. The questions we have are about the rest of it, right? Like, I don't, how good of a grappler is he? And it just hasn't mattered. Like for, for one, he's just knocked a bunch of people out to a point where that hasn't been at play. And two, we can be honest. He has gotten some favorable matchmaking in that regard. So <clears throat> is Alex Pereira the best light heavyweight in the world? I, I don't know. Like, well, I guess we'll find out. He's going to keep fighting dudes. And if he holds his belt for even two or three title defenses, then it's pretty undeniable at that point. But I think he is deserving of having this belt because he is at one of the best guys in the world, undeniably. So it's weird. Like it's a very unique situation. We, this doesn't happen all that often. It's probably not going to happen all that often moving forward. But every once in a while, there are people who have that little bit of fairy dust around them who get to, they walk in the light and Alex Pereira seems to be that dude. And he's making the most of his opportunities. And it's, it's awesome. Like it's, it's super weird, but it's, it is incredibly captivating. Yeah. And, and when I say it doesn't make sense, it's not that it's not a realistic thing and that it shouldn't have happened. It's just bizarre. And it just doesn't happen this quickly. Cause we know when he got into the UFC and he went to 185, like the reason they signed him was to eventually book this fight with Izzy. And then he goes and beats Izzy in the fifth round after losing most of that fight. And then he gets knocked out by Adesanya earlier this year, probably the wrong end of the knockout of the year. And then he's just like, nah, I'm not going to do the trilogy. I'm just going to move up to 205, beat John Bohovich, And then in his next fight, beats Yuri Prohashka and becomes a two division champion. It's just insane. And Jed, I, I think we both can agree that Alex Pereira versus Jamal Hill this fight is fantastic and it's going to answer a lot of questions and it will at least perhaps lay the groundwork towards this division being somewhat normal since it's been snake bitten since John Jones left it but Hill is hurt Killy's injury takes a long time to recover from that may not be back until the summer maybe longer who knows as great as this fight is Jed there's no way that the UFC can wait for Jamal Hill before Pereira fights again, can they? There's just way too much momentum. What do you think happens here? No, absolutely can't do it. Because, like, here's the thing, Mike. It, it doesn't answer all the questions. It might answer some of the questions. But, like, we also have a lot of pretty good questions about Jamal Hill. The way he won the belt is no doubt about it, undeniably great performance against Glover Teixeira. He was like the number nine dude in the world who just kind of fell into that, that opportunity. And like Prairie made the most of it, but we still don't know who either of these two dudes really are as like fully fleshed out forms in this, this weight class. You can't wait for that because it's still, there's too much happening. This light heavyweight is a fun division now, which hasn't always been over the past few years. It's weird. I don't know what you do do with him because there's not like a clear-cut contender here. right? I think it just got announced today that they are running back Ankalaya versus Johnny Walker in January. If the winner of that wants to make a quick turnaround, that makes like the most sense. Uh, I know Pereira called out Izzy for 205. I don't like the idea, but there are worse things that have happened in the sport. I don't know where you go, but the answer is undeniably not. Let's leave Alex Pereira on the shelf for the next eight months until we have this fight. No, like this guy is this guy's dynamite television. You'd want to tune in to watch him. He's getting a little bit of stardom to him, you know, like like Randy said, doesn't have like 
the outward charisma of someone like Conor McGregor or Brock Lesnar, but he has that demeanor that is that gravitates you towards him. Put him back in there. I don't care who against. Like I, I would have said honestly, just put Johnny Walker in it. Who cares about him running it back with Ankalaev? Not gonna do it. Like, dude, fire it in with Jan Blahovich, who's been calling for a rematch. Fine with that. I don't care if you pick Nikita Krylov. He's on a good win streak. It'll be fun. Who gives a shit? Just make make him fight. Let's get a little bit more motion at the top of this weight class, and let's have fun with one of the more fun guys in the sport right now. Randy, after Alex wins, he calls for the trilogy with Adesanya 205, which, you know, I don't know if I want to see that in particular like particularly want to see that right now but i think the call it is brilliant because of hill's injury and this is probably the biggest fight he can get right now while we wait for jamal hill and this is probably a bigger fight than jamal hill we do have as jed said johnny walker magomed ankle they're going to run it back january 13th maybe you go with the winner there we do have Polhovich fighting rackets january 20th maybe if rackage wins they go that route it's a fresh matchup or maybe they just wait for jamal hill so with this momentum Pereira has if you had the matchmaking pencil what do you what would you pick yeah, so so a couple of points that I want to make uh, in terms of him going up to 205, I think that, that move is is perfect, right? Because you, you have someone like Pajeda, and there there aren't any savage wrestlers in that 205 weight class at the moment that could that that you could argue would just steamroll somebody like Pajeda. Like for for example, like uh, like like Kamzat or something. I think Kamzat has a really hard style for a guy like Pajeda to deal with, but. Kamzat's not a 205, right? Kamzat's an 85 or 85, 70. So I think this is a perfect weight class for him. <clears throat> and I might be in the minority. I, I do think the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I think the, uh, the, uh, the Izzy fight, I think that makes a lot of sense, man. Like you said, there's no clear-cut contender, right? Izzy, Izzy got Pajeda that, that title shot like pretty much right away. He had what, like, a, like three or four fights before he got a title shot? That doesn't really happen. And, and they were like, they were, they were matchups catered to his fighting style. So why not pay it back in some way? And Pajeda's been extremely vocal saying that, like, that interview with Izzy that Izzy did a while ago was saying that Alex would be on the pub somewhere watching the fight, watching Izzy, the fights, la da 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 And now, and now Pajeda come, comes back and rebuttals, like, hey, I'm just trying to help you out and get you off the couch or trying to get you back into it. Why not, dude? There's no clear-cut There's no clear cut next contender right now. There's a badass storyline with that. This would be... This would be, what, the fourth fight or the fifth fight between them, and now we're going to a different weight class. This is up a weight class for Izzy. Why the fuck not? You know it's going to sell. And especially, I mean, I don't think there's a UFC Australia or anything like that booked right now. Or, I mean, fuck it. Put it in a next UFC Brazil card. This fight, I think, makes a ton of sense, and I get that I might be in the minority, but why not? Yeah, I mean, look. If they don't do Connor and Chandler at UFC 300, like that could headline UFC 300 easily. The trilogy fight between those two guys. The only thing is Izzy doesn't seem all that interested in it. And he's talked about taking time off. But I honestly believe like unless Izzy leaves middleweight and goes up to 205 and just bulks up and becomes a light heavyweight full time. I don't think he's going to get another shot at the belt if he's still going to stay at middleweight. If he wants to be a two-division champion, I think this might be his last chance. So we'll see if that rivalry continues. But one last thing about this, and I'll go back to you, Jed, because one thing I left the Pereira-Prahashka fight thinking is, look, maybe the stoppage is a little bit early. I don't have an issue with it. But I do feel, especially with the, the face-off and them just staring each other, daggers through each other, that this is not the only time these guys are going to fight. Like I feel like once the Izzy rivalry is officially over, whether they fight our third time or not, I do feel like Pereira's next 
potential rival before he calls it a career is going to be Yuri Prohashka. Like these guys are going to fight multiple more times. Do you feel like these two guys are kind of made for each other in some way that this could be sort of Pereira's next rival for the division and for the UFC before he rides off into the sunset? I don't know about next rival, but if you had me pick who I think Pereira is going to fight next, my answer is actually Yuri. Now I'm, you know, I have a long, long standing stance against this. I hate immediate rematches in literally any circumstance, uh, except for like egregious robbery. This was not that, but I think that to me, the most likely scenario is we get a rematch of this in March, maybe at UFC 300, something like that, because there isn't somebody else who jumps out. Like unless the winner of that Ankalaya Walker fight is like super unscathed or whatever, then maybe but i think february march they just say hey little bit of controversy in the end not really yuri says it's okay it's fine but you know fun 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 matchup there's nothing else to do we've seen them kind of pull this before in situations like this and without the without a clear-cut next contender i think he's probably got the inside track if yuri starts making noise for it and prayer will do it because why not so I think they're definitely going to fight at least once more. Um, I'm not sure if it'll end up being a rivalry because I picked Pereira to win that, win this fight. I think he's win wins the rematch too. Like I, I think Yuri is the way he fights lines up fairly well against Pereira. Uh, so I'm not sure it'll be a rivalry in that in the same sense that it ended up being with with Izzy. But they're definitely going to fight again. I think that's for certain. Randy, do you feel like these two guys are going to fight again in the future? I agree with pretty much everything that Jed said. I don't think that uh, I don't think that it's ever going to. I mean, not ever, right? But I don't think that it's going to be like this crazy competitive rivalry that everybody thinks it is. I think everybody's more more so like like gushing at the fact like these are two fucking stone cold samurais that are fighting each other more than they are like the actual technique behind their styles, right? Because because uh, Pajeda, he's a fucking he's a surgeon with the way that he's picking his shots, right? Brat Yuri is like super wide and super wild, and like that—that that is the perfect style for somebody like. But you're not—you're not gonna beat Pajeda with craziness. You're gonna beat Pajeda with mixing shit up, and Yuri's throwing like these loopy shots. And like Pajeda has a nice defensive guard. He's seen all this shit. Um, I agree with Jed. They, I mean, they're gonna fight again, right? And it's gonna be a great buildup. But I don't think it's ever gonna be like this crazy competitive rivalry that—that um, that maybe you're implying that it's gonna be. We will see how it plays out. That was one of the big stories from UFC 295. We'll go to the other big story. Tommy Aspinall. Is he the best heavyweight in the world? Will he fight John Jones? We will find out next. The point for round one goes to... (laughs) Randy Costa, one to nothing. Nicely done. I mean, he got... Jed, to be fair, he did get like a full interview before the first round, so... You kind of knew you were in trouble there. So I'm, I was cooked since this thing started. <laughs> the NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Well, uh, we mentioned Tommy Aspinall, Jed, and we'll begin with you. Look, man, fought Sergei Pavlovich, only needed 69 seconds, lands the big shot, lands the hammer fist, gets Pavlovich out of there, and now Tommy Aspinall is the new interim UFC heavyweight champion of the world. Now, we'll get into what this all means, Jed, and you can get on your soapbox and talk about how great Tom Aspinall is right now, but, man, 69 seconds, 12 days notice, back injury, can't beat that, can you, Jed? Nice short night at the office for Tommy Aspinall. No, it's insane. It's an insane thing. I'm not even going to talk about the back injury because, one, I just sort of feel like if you accept – like if you take the fight, then anything you say after the fact, just I, I'm not going to count it towards you because it, it just shouldn't. Like we, you, you took the fight. You knew what you were getting into. It is what it is there. So, And it doesn't – he doesn't need that back injury to make what he did any more impressive. Like it was just – unbelievable on 12 days notice just getting up off the couch and be like yeah i'll go fight the scariest dude in the world maybe like and just dummy him and like coming into it i i said no outcome would really surprise me other than this fight going to decision like i, I knew the time aspinall could knock him out but i think the, the general consensus was the one time we'd seen sergey pavlovich look bad like it was Alistair Overeem taking him down and, and working him over on the floor. And we know Tom Aspinall has that that skill set, that capability of doing it. And instead, he ate a couple of clean shots from Pavlovich. He didn't wilt or kind of crumble like we've seen other people do when Pavlovich touches him. And then just fired back at him and, and put him down in 69 seconds. Like I don't, I don't know what to make of that other than to be incredibly impressed by just how damn good Tom Aspinall is. He's so athletic. He has such a diverse set of skills, defensively responsible. Like this dude is, is going to carry the standard for this weight class moving forward. And Saturday night was, was the start of the Tom Aspinall era. 
Randy, what a run for for Tommy Aspinall. He's got the UK behind him. The fans love to sing his name and sing his song, and he's got a personality. He's got, you know, a lot of charisma. This guy kind of has the whole package. It's been pretty fun to watch him do the thing and now become interim heavyweight champion, has it not? Yeah, man, for sure, a hundred percent. I mean, I agree with everything Jed says. I think that that Aspinall is going to be like the next standard for like for like the heavyweights. I mean, the dude moves like a lightweight. He's super effective. Nasty Jitsu, strong, strong as fuck, and has a whole nation behind him. The only thing that's fucking killing him right now is that John Jones exists. That fight, dude, and I mean this with the utmost utmost respect to Aspinall and everybody involved. Him versus John Jones is not going to fucking happen. And it's a shame that uh, Aspinall is not, not going to be the champ until John Jones retires. That fight's just not going to happen. And it's super unfair. And it's, it's, it's not right. It's, it's, it sucks for Aspinall. Like, it really sucks for Aspinall because obviously he, he earned it, right? He deserves it. He deserves, like, a shot at the actual undisputed belt. But, I mean, let's be real here. That's just not going to happen. I don't think Tom Aspinall has that name value yet. And I don't think John Jones is willing to take a risk like that. I mean, he's at the end of his career. He's been super vocal about... That MSG fight versus Stipe wanting to be this last fight. Why is he gonna? Why would he even consider the fact going from like fighting the goat for his last fight ever to going to fight like this 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 prospect phenom from the UK that's like not super well known? Like it just doesn't make sense. And like it really sucks, and I feel bad for Aspinall because Aspinall is that dude. Aspinall is gonna be the champ, but it's not gonna be until John Jones is gone because that fight's just not gonna happen. Well, let me ask you this, and then we'll get to the to the big topic because Jed's got that look on his face, and I know he has things he wants to say. Randy's not wrong. He's not. But heading into this fight, Randy, I want to get to the John Jones thing because most people felt like – because obviously John was supposed to fight Stipe, and this is the whole build. But most people felt like John probably won't fight either of these guys. And if Sergey Pavlovich somehow won this fight, there's no chance that fight happens. But maybe in the future, Aspinall could – you know, win the interim title, maybe defend it a time or two. Maybe they do it in London or the UK or Manchester and he gets like a big star reaction and maybe John will eventually see dollar signs in him. And now at this point, even Dana White said it at the, at the press conference, now he's going to fight Stipe and yes, it'll be a big fight and there you go. But since Saturday, and I don't know if you've seen this at all, outside of like maybe a small bit of casual appeal, I think the bloom is completely off the rose for John Jones versus Stipe Miocic. I don't think anybody really wants to see that fight. And the MMA world wants to see this Jones versus Aspinall fight. And not a lot of people felt like this could be a possibility coming out of Saturday, but now everybody seems to want it. So as a fight fan yourself, Randy, where are you at with this? Do you have any interest in John Jones versus Stipe right now? I mean, only because like, there's so much, I mean, but like, there's so much behind it, but I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not going to be upset if it doesn't happen, right? I mean, it's not a huge deal. Another thing about the Tom Aspinall versus John Jones thing, right? So this dude, look at the, the conversations of fights that John Jones is going to have over the last two years or whatever. Francis Ngannou, Stipe, and all respect to Aspinall, but he's not on, like, there's, there's just no... It's a, Jones was very vocal about legacy fight and wanting to do this because like, finishing his career at home and doing it this that the other thing. Tom Aspinall doesn't really fit in that in that bit. I think that that might be a possibility if if somehow like UFC MSG comes comes again and, and nobody else is available and and John Jones is adamant about that date and time and location 
And Tom Aspinall says, steps up and says, fuck it, I'll fight the guy on MSG. But aside from that, dude, it, it's just not gonna, it's just not gonna happen. It's just, just that the fight doesn't make sense. In my opinion, uh, Jones versus Aspinall doesn't make sense, especially in terms of business and especially in terms of Jones's legacy and whatever his personal goals for himself that he has. Jed, if they book John versus Steve A in June in Brooklyn, New York, just throwing it out of a random place, would it even get a Michelin star for you? No, I don't give a shit about that fight. I didn't give a shit about the fight this last time. I get, I, I have been calling that fight exactly what it is. It is a vanity project, and that's okay. Like I understand you get to a level in your career, you can kind of pick your spots. And I am not blaming John Jones for taking that fight. I get why he is doing it. That fight is meaningless. Stephen Miocic hasn't fought in two years and hasn't won in like three, and he he has no wins over currently like current UFC fighters except an, an Andre Arlovsky who's also a thousand like it's he's he is not relevant to the day-to-day goings-on at heavyweight and John fighting him is meaningless it, it it will not improve his legacy it could hurt his legacy if Steve A beats him I think that will um maybe have people look back on his career a little differently but it, it just doesn't mean anything to this weight class it didn't mean any, and I want to be clear that's how I felt in November. I feel that exponentially if that happens in June when Steve is 42. And this simply is not a thing that matters. What matters are the people who are currently competing in this weight class, putting in the work month in, month out to fight the other best dudes in the weight class. Tom Asp- That's why Tom Aspinall is my number one heavyweight in the world. He is actively beating other heavyweights and, and has the intention of doing that moving forward. And John does not. And... Again, I can't blame John for this. Like, do do the business thing. You got to do what's right for you. But that that fight is that fight means nothing to me. And to your point, Mike, I'm not sure who it's for other than the two fighters in it. I'm not sure it even does great business now. Probably does okay because John will always kind of do okay. But I, I'm not seeing a ton of clamor for that fight to happen even beforehand and much less now after more months of it being on the shelf. So no, what should happen is he should fight Tom Aspinall. He should fight the interim champion if he wants to be a heavyweight and not this vanity thing. But no, the, the entire move to heavyweight was a, a strict vanity play and he's getting what he wants out of it. And so he's never going to fight Tom Aspinall because Mike, as you know, he's scared of Tom Aspinall. He's very, very scared <laughs> of Tom Aspinall. His legacy needs it. And John, I'm talking to you. Don't be scared, homie. Fight fight Tommy Aspinall. Oh, my God. Randy, if you don't know this, at, on our post-fight show, Jed started a – basically a, a whole thing it's where – It's a movement, Randy. It's a, a movement. movement. He started a movement where he wants everybody in the MMA community, fighters, media members, and fans to all pretty much at John and tell him he's scared of Tom and then maybe his ego – will come out and be like, fine, you think I'm scared? I'm going to fight this dude. This is Jed's plan, which I think is brilliant, by the way. We're going to goad him into taking this fight. I mean, I admire the optimism. So uh, let me ask you this, Randy, because this has been a big debate amongst the MMA fighting crew. In fact, if you guys haven't listened to our ranking show, I highly recommend you do because Boston Mike came out a whole bunch. And it proves why I host these shows and should not be a panelist on any of these shows because I am way too stubborn. Whether I'm right, wrong, or indifferent, I will fight uh, for my beliefs till the end, whether I actually truly believe them or not. But Randy, 
We have a, we're living in a world right now where Francis Ngannou still exists, right? He's planning on fighting for PFL at some point. John Jones, who is planning to fight Stipe or somebody else. And then we have Tom Aspinall, the interim heavyweight champion of the world. Is Tom Aspinall the best heavyweight on the planet right now after this win? He is not. He is not the best heavyweight in the planet right now, I don't think. And I, I don't think that because... Because John Jones and Francis both still exist and they're both labeled as head as heavyweights. Do I think he's the best heavyweight in the UFC, like active? Do I think he should be the champ? Do I think he's the heavyweight guy in the UFC for the label, the baddest? Blah, 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 blah? Yes. But do I think he's the best heavyweight in the world at this moment? No. And I, I don't even know how you could say that after watching Francis just do that uh, to to, uh, to Gypsy King on you know in in boxing like I just don't I don't think that's a thing and I think there's a lot of recency bias here when you when you're using like 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 bold statements like that I mean it's easy to say that like Tom Aspinall is the best guy in the whole world after he has a performance like that just last week right but Joe let's not forget about all the great things that Jones have done he made Surreal Gone look like a child when he fought him that time and Surreal Gone was the guy when when he fought him like. I think it's really, I think it's really hard, man, and I think it, I feel bad for the situation that Aspinall's in because I don't think that he's going to get the credit he deserves until either a, he beat, he fights and beats John Jones, which isn't going to happen, or John Jones bounces. I don't think, I don't think Aspinall, uh, unfortunately, is going to get any kind of respect he deserves until one of those things, two things happen. Randy, let me just say that was a well thought out, excellent answer right there, Jed. Your retort. Dead wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, Randy got a lot of respect for you. Um, I'm sorry that you, you're with Mike being real wrong about this one. Um, you're right. You're, John has accomplished so much, like arguably more than anyone else, at a totally different weight class than heavyweight. Um, John's John's one heavyweight fight is a win over Cyril Gon. Great win. Not here to take anything. I mean, I absolutely demolish Cyril Gon. Uh, the guy at the top, you know, at right, right there at the top, like ranked number one or number two in the world at at the time outside of Francis Ngannou. John demolished him. Guess guess what Tom Aspinall just did? He demolished the guy ranked number one or number two in the world. This terrifying dude that no one wanted to fight just demolished him. And then on top of that, he also has beaten several other relevant UFC heavyweights. Like this just isn't. John is only. He's a heavyweight on paper. Like, that's it. He has one fight in the weight class. So it's not, it's just not the same. Like, and I could be more open to that argument. Again, if John said, I'm going to fight Tom Aspinall, or I'm going to fight, you know, I'm, I'm going to defend this belt against a real person that matters substantially in this weight class. It's not what he said at all. It's, I'm going to fight Stipe, who's a billion years old, like, walking like a geriatric fireman at 295 you see him getting around with like a hitch in his giddy up what are we doing he's not going to pretend to defend the real belt so tom aspinall has it i am absolutely here for the argument that francis Ngannou is the best heavyweight in the world i believe that that is true we are just not legally allowed to rank him because of the rules we put on ourselves but i'm absolutely with you if you want to say francis Ngannou. i think that is totally fair uh but what Tom Aspinall said is correct. He is the best active heavyweight yep. mixed martial artist competing today. And that's like, that's just facts, baby. I think the word active is super important here. It is a very important word. 
to use. And it was a brilliant word. Tom Aspinall's just been full of brilliance. He really has. Every movie he's I mean, made he's has been, been a brilliant one. I can't he wait really to hear it. I mean, we, we all agree that Aspinall, we're all agreeing that Aspinall is the man. You're just not going to beat the machine. The machine's the UFC. The machine's going to control the whole thing. Jones is a part of the machine. It's not going to happen. The fight's not going to happen. There's not, there's all, there's it is, it is if we goad him, Randy. Get on board. <laughs> Get on board. If we all rise up as one and say, John, you scared, bet you won't swing. Maybe he will. Well, hey man, I'm not saying you're right or wrong. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just telling you <laughs> it's a fucking machine. Well, let's see if the movement works. Are you with team Jed here? Do you want this movement to pay off? Could we see John Jones versus Tom Aspinall? I'm starting to think, I mean, I'm not, I'm not here to say that it's going to happen, but I went from like 0.01% that it happens. I'm like at like 12% it happens now. I do feel like Mike, there's a little you, bit of momentum here. You should hope it doesn't because if this, if that fight ever gets booked, I am for sure taking credit for it. <laughs> All right. Well, you should. And and it'll be a great, another moral victory for Jed Mishu. But let us move on. Uh, a lot of momentum coming out of UFC 295. Maybe not over for good old bellator we'll talk about bellator 301 in a second but the point for round two goes to mr movement himself the david koresh of mma jed Mishu. it's one-to-one nicely done all right we got mma I'm not this sure weekend. i want to be david koresh by the way <laughs> jesus <laughs> Hey, listen, you know, he's a, uh, just don't, don't HR, get, don't HR? get too power hungry. Just don't get too power hungry. All right. Just keep it, you know, keep it level, keep it level. And I think you'll be all right. Uh, we got Bellator 301 tomorrow, gentlemen. We have a really good card here. Yaroslav Amasov versus Jason Jackson, the main event for the welterweight title. We get Sergio Pettis versus Patchy Mix for the undisputed Bantamweight title. We got Rafion Stotts versus Danny Sabatello, two at 135. AJ McKee versus Sydney Outlaw in a lightweight bout. And then we have a lightweight Grand Prix bout between Patricky Pitbull and Alexander Shabley. So, Jed, that's your main card. There's some fun little prelims as well, some good names. Rate Bellator 301 on paper which could potentially be the final card for them. Man, I was really hoping you'd go to Randy to start because uh, the landscapers have decided, you know, Mike, you understand landscaping oh, time yeah. and how it's always when we're recording. Uh, we've we've managed that, so sorry if you hear that in the background. Uh, 301's a great card. Um, it's a super weird thing that Bellator this year has been quite good, honestly. I've had a couple of cards because they just simply don't have the full roster to like always have a great main event. But they have largely put out – the product they have put out this year has mostly been very good. And it's super weird that that's the case on the year they are – it seems at this point a, a certainty that they are done promotionally. Maybe not. Maybe something you know comes in at the eleventh hour. But from everything we are hearing, it seems exceedingly possible, if not probable, that three hundred one is the final card in the history of the Bellator promotion. And if so, they're going out great. Like Patchy makes Sergio Pettis is like two top seven bantamweights globally going at it, and like pretty realistically, the winner of that has a claim to being one of, if not the best bantamweight in the world, Yaroslav Amosov, nobody's going to talk about it. Um, but I mean, he is one of the best welterweights in the world. If he wins this 28, no, I haven't done an official dive onto this, but 
to the best of my knowledge, Habib's 29 and 0 is the best record in MMA history, <laughs> like the most undefeated run of anyone ever. And Yaroslav Amosov is assuming he beats Jason Jackson, which I think he will. He's bumping right up against that. Uh, Stott Sabatella, too, I don't really care about, um, but it's promotionally valid. And then look, Alexander Shabley, awesome. AJ McKee, awesome. Like, this is a really, really good way to go out. Um, but somebody said this, maybe you just said it, and I, I, it feels like Bellator is going out with a whimper, not promotionally, but, or, or not, not with what they are delivering as far as fights, but promotionally. Does anyone know this is happening? <laughs> like, is is anyone aware that this fight is this fight card is about to occur? Because straight up, multiple people who work at our website, and I won't name names, the best website in the world to cover this sport, were like, "Oh, there's a Bellator Friday? Shit!" Multiple people like this is <laughs> this is going on with the real whimper, and it's a shame because I I wish Bellator was sticking around. We'll talk more about that in a second. But Randy, I mean, it's a pretty damn good lineup right here, right? This is, I, I mean, promotionally, they don't really care all that much. So why should the MMA community in a lot of respects? But I mean, for those who are going to be watching this card, it's a pretty damn good one, right? If this is the last one, they're going out with a bang here. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I'm I'm one of those guys that Jed's talking about, dude. I didn't even know this card was happening until uh, until last week. Uh, I'm, I'm friendly with, uh, with Danny Sabatello. And he DM me, and then I saw that he he was promoting his own fight. I was like, "Oh fuck!" Like this card is actually pretty nasty, and it's just next week. I don't know why they just gave up on the whole marketing thing. But dude, this this card is like, this is a really good card, man. Uh, Amasov versus Jackson is crazy, dude. Patchy Mix versus uh, versus Pettis, bro. That's a, that's a really high level fight. And if you're talking about a promotion that's that's going that's shutting down after after this card. That's that's a very meaningful fight for both of those guys. Patsy Mix hasn't fought in the UFC yet, obviously, but Pettis has a bunch of UFC fights. What do you think their next move is? I mean, it could be it could be the UFC, right? It could be PFL. It could be something different. Like the market's a little bigger now. Um, but this is a big card, man. You figure that this is like, for lack of a better term, this is almost like a job interview, right? This you you don't you don't know what the next. I mean, they might know what the next move is, but we don't know what the next move is. And one crazy performance could change the whole trajectory of any of these guys' career with this with this promotion that they're signed to going under. I like this card, man. I'm fired up for this card. Definitely wish they just they promoted it more though. As well, see, the problem is they can't promote it because they don't have any backing anymore because Showtime has already already left the game. So it just put them in this weird box. Yeah. And it's crazy because these are like these are really good fights. Like that main card is like a really it's a really good card. It's a lot of high level fighters on that card. McKee and Sydney Outlaw. That's a fucking scrappy fight. That's like sneaky good. There's no promotion at all. I didn't even know they were fighting till last night, dude. See, it's just one of those things. And that's kind of been what's handcuffed Bellator a lot over the last few years is that they put these good cards together and they just kind of assume everybody knows about them when that's just not the case. But I'm curious to get your take on this, Randy, because, you know, seeing this could be the final Bellator event. Now, who knows what's going to happen with this PFL thing if they are absorbed by the PFL and they decided to run them as separate entities. I'm not really sure how that's really going to work and who knows what will come of it once this deal actually comes through, if it does. But as a fighter yourself, you're, you, you know, you talked about your last year looking for opportunities. 
you know, CES, maybe it was your last fight, but who knows? Like at, at some point there was a Bellator who could call you up if they're going to Mohegan and say, Hey, Randy, you're a new England guy. You could sell us some tickets. You want to fight on this card, but as a fighter right now, kind of looking for opportunities, how do you react to this possibly having one less place to bring your talents? I mean, I don't think that it's, I mean, from my perspective, Bellator going under doesn't like at all impact me in the slightest. Right. And I think that, I think that a lot of fighters who, who are like bigger or like really take, take the steps with promotion and things like that, aren't really looking for that Bellator opportunity because Bellator doesn't really push their fighters. Bellator has like three or four fighters that they push, everybody else is in charge for themselves. And that's what I think the UFC does really well. I think the UFC, obviously, is is the gold standard, right? I don't think they necessarily have the best fighters in the world, but they have the best marketing in the world. This ultimate marketing championship. They're fucking, they're crushing with all the marketing stuff. Um, but I think now, more than any other time in MMA, I think it's just a wide open landscape of, of fucking opportunities. You have... Obviously, the game bread stuff, you have Bare Knuckle, you have the PFL, which is paying crazy money. You have Karate Combat now, which, which is bought out by uh, um, President Awesome, Dana Brown in, in Miami. I can't think of his name. But he's putting on crazy shows. He has, he has Pettis and uh, Benson Henderson fighting on it. And that whole dynamic is brand new too. The Bare Knuckle MMA uh, dynamic is, is brand new too. Everything's taken off. So I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody over there is like shaking in their pants or anything. Everybody's obviously under great management. And they know that wherever they're going to go, especially coming off a big performance, somebody's somebody's going to pay them. Every like more promotions now than ever have really deep pockets, and they're willing to invest in these fighters. And it's just one big ass performance away on this card that's going to have that's going to have people calling. They're going to be free agents. So, and like I said, man, I think it's like a job interview. I think there's a big card for all the fighters on it. Jed, if this is the final Bellator event. Like it, it is certainly going to be the final Bellator event under this regime, if you will. Like, how does that make you feel? Because you and I, we have been historically tough on Bellator because we know that they have the talent and the fighters to be a really good promotion. There's just a lot of a lot of productional things that you know kind of sours the product. We talk about the promotion and the marketing, and I know you know we talk to people who work for Bellator a lot. We've had our airing of grievances episodes and grading the promotion last year, and they weren't really happy with the grade that we gave them. But it just for some reason it just hasn't worked over the last few years. But now, like that, this is probably the end, at least for this regime. And who knows? Maybe PFL rebrands them or whatever. What are the feelings like right now heading into this final card? Uh, it'll be sad when they're gone. Like I'm not going to cry about it or anything, but it will be disappointing because Bellator has been a viable number two to the UFC. I mean, it's, it's very far down. Like obviously the UFC's here and we're talking number two. It's, it's very, very low, but it was still a place where there was an accumulation of great talent. And, I don't think any other organization can say that, right? Like there are good fighters in one and in PFL. And I mean, in frankly, just other organizations, you see everyone popping up can get access to good fighters. But Bellator had by far the most collection of them. And in part, that was because they had a broader drive to create those fighters. They invested very heavily in talent development. There's a reason they had a, a streamline of collegiate wrestlers coming in 
hey, you're you're done competing at wrestling. You're not going to make a make a dent in the seniors here. Move into MMA, and they, you know that that doesn't always turn out great. You know they missed as much as they hit, but you still end up getting a bunch of young talent. They just invested really well in developing that. I think there's a a huge place for that in the sport as opposed to just having everyone kind of feel it out themselves on the regional circuit. I think it was great to have a spot like Bellator for that. I think Bellator's product was oftentimes hard to watch, but in the end, it also you know that some of the stuff you were getting was great. Them doing Grand Prix was awesome. Having a major promotion doing a Grand Prix structure like that takes it back to the days when I fell in love with this sport, you know? Um, and broadly speaking, like, it's one less organization to be competitive. It's one less organization to offer up money, to offer up an alternative vision of MMA than what the UFC is getting, is putting out there. And maybe everyone just folds into PFL and PFL now gets to rise to the level of a number two and maybe a closer number two to the UFC than it was. But I'll believe that when I see it. And for now, it's just we're losing what was a, a valuable part of the MMA ecosystem. And I'm very unsure what we're replacing it with. And if in the end, some of these great fighters go to the UFC, that's awesome. I, I'd love to see AJ McKee fight, you know, featherweights and lightweights in the UFC. I would love to see Patchy Mix and Sergio Pettis against the Sean O'Malley's and the Marab Dvalishvili's of the world. I would love to see Johnny Eblen be the best middleweight in the world. Like, those are things that are awesome. But we'll see if that happens because there's also – maybe they don't. Maybe they go to Ryzen or elsewhere and then it's – it's just not this. It, it then becomes even harder for there to be a, I'm going to watch this and know that I'm getting elite level mixed martial arts on both sides of the ball, as it were. God, if PFL absorbs them and keeps them viable. That's the, that's the dumbest fucking rumor I've them. ever heard in my life. So you don't think they should do that? No. The only even reason for a to year. absorb Bellator is for the fighters. There's not like you don't give a shit about their promotion. Their name is the worst name in the history of honestly professional sports. What if they rename you, it? There's then then why are you even keep why do you even have it as Bellator? <laughs> like, what's the point? Just take the PFL's great and I mean they have other failings, but the biggest failing of the PFL is their their fighters. Like they have some good fighters and they have many other just replacement dudes, like just another guys in there make up a lot of the, their roster. They can overnight have the second best roster in the sport by folding it all in. You should absolutely just do that. So last thing on this, uh, Randy brought up a, a pretty interesting point about this being like, uh, you know, big fights, big card, but also potential job interviews. So Jed, you are hired as, UFC director of talent and you are being tasked to watch this event and you are tasked with picking three guys from Bellator to bring over to the UFC. You can only pick three. Who are you bringing? Oh, that's the easiest question in the world. I mean, like there are many people who deserve it, but you also have Amosov is my number one dude might be the best welterweight in the planet. He's 20 about to be 28. No, like that's, that's just it. You just, you pick that dude nine times out of 10. Uh, I mean, you also just have to go AJ McKee from a star building prospect. Like, I, I'm not sure that he's the second best fighter on this card holistically, but he is one of the very best fighters in the world at his weight class, also competing at lightweight, very, very talented and young. Like, he's everything you want as a guy to build up and build around. So those two are unequivocal. And you could make other choices here, but 
to me, the the answer is I'm assuming Patchy Mix wins. And if Patchy Mix does win on on Friday, then he's absolutely it. Because again, you're talking about maybe the best band in weight in the world, a guy who maybe isn't uh, he's certainly not as marketable marketable as like a Sean O'Malley, but talking about a guy who's gonna come in day one, be a contributor at the highest level of this weight class, maybe fight for the belt, maybe win the fucking thing. So uh those three for me, and it's it's very, very easy. What do you think, Randy? I mean, you've been in the UFC. You kind of know what they want and you know, kind of know who can succeed there. It's not always just the best fighter in the weight class. It's can be also, it's someone who's got all the tools, right? Someone who's got charisma, someone they can build into a star. If you're the, the guy tasked with bringing in three Bellator fighters, who are you bringing? I'm going MVP 100% just because when he fights, it's going to be a spectacle, right? He, I don't think that they, they'd sign him necessarily with the intent that, uh, that we got to build this guy to be the champ, but we're going to, we're going to sign this guy and we're going to guarantee sick fights. Imagine a fight with like him versus Wonderboy or something like that. Like that's a sick fucking fight. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> Number two, I think it's pretty clear cut. And I think it's Patchy Mix. I think Patchy Mix is the best, if not top three best bantamweights in the world. That dude's legit. He's killing everybody. And then, uh, I don't, I'm going to butcher his name. I'm Yamasov. Amasov, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I think I think those three. I think him, Patchy Mix, and MVP. And I think it's pretty clear. I think that I think they have something to work with with all three of those guys. That you have one like guy that you can build for exciting fights. You can have one that's an undefeated guy. You know, assuming that this weekend goes well, and you have Patchy Mix, who is arguably you know the best thirty uh, five er right now. Those are my three clear cut contenders. Uh, I'm sure there are more that I'm not thinking of right now. Yeah. It's got to be super interesting when this all comes to be and how this all works. Like who's a free agent who has to go, who doesn't have to go. It's going to be a fascinating story, but let's move on while Bellator is a card. Uh, UFC is following up UFC 295 with a trip back to the Hallowed Apex. And boy, oh boy, are they stacking the deck. The point for round three goes to Mr. Bare Knuckle MMA, Randy Cosman. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got UFC Vegas 82 on Saturday. And look, I'm going to run down this main card. Um, Why? You're probably not going to love it. But I will say with the caveat, uh, we get a 2 p.m. Eastern start time on this bad boy, which to me is, I mean, gets you at automatic points just for that. But here's what we got, gentlemen. Brandon Allen versus Paul Craig, the main event. We'll talk about that more in a second. Jed's former number 10 ranked welterweight in the entire world, Jake Matthews versus Michael Morales. Jordan Levitt. I got a versus, little ahead of myself. You did. Uh, Jordan Levitt versus Chase Hooper. Peyton Talbot versus Nick Aguirre. Amanda Hibas, Luana Pinheiro. Euros Medic versus McTybeck. Oral by. Uh, who is, so uh, that's really not how you pronounce really that man's name, but I don't Please remember tell me how to do it. I don't oh, okay. remember how to do it, but it, it doesn't like, so Oral by is correct. The first name is like something way different. Um, yes. cause Connor, Connor did it on no bets bar. He like went and looked it up. I was like, I would have never pulled that out of the hat. I'm excited for the weigh-ins tomorrow so that Brennan Fitzgerald can pronounce it perfectly. But Jed, uh, Yowzer, what are we rating this card? This is a zero. It's an obvious zero. <laughs> zero. Is, there are no Mashulin stars handed out for this fight card. Um, credit the 2 p.m. is great. I mean, it's 14 fights, so 
even at 2 p.m., you're still going to be going to be trudging along there. Um, but look, the main event is going to be fun. I mean, I'm not. That's the thing is, this isn't individually. Most of the fights aren't bad, but they are the sum of the parts is is somehow like way, way worse than the individual fights because it all just doesn't like what, what's the hook? What gets a casual fade into the door here to watch this at 2 p.m. on a on a Saturday where the college football slate is pretty good, <laughs> you know? So it's just like uh, Brendan Allen, Paul Craig is going to be real weird and real fun because both of those – Paul Craig is always in fun, weird fights. It's just who he is as a fighter. And Brendan Allen has, might actually just be like a very, very good middleweight. He's certainly a fun middleweight if not very, very good. Jake Matthews, Michael Morales is like – once upon a time, I might have had higher hopes for this. Michael Miles is probably going to run over him. Uh, Chase Hooper, Jordan Levitt is that's a that's a fight. That's a fight that's happening. Um, I'm I'm super high on Peyton Talbot. I think he has got a, a very bright future um, at bantamweight. Really big for the division. Very young guy, but he's also like pro. This is probably too early for him to be in the UFC. Six and zero and probably still needs a little more seasoning before he gets here and the rest of it's like Earl's Medich is almost never in a boring fight. So like, it's probably going to be fun, but where's the hook, Mike? What, why am I supposed to care about this, about uh, frankly, any of the fights happening this Saturday, other than the fact that they are fights that are happening. Like what, where is the meaning to any of this outside of for each of these people individually? This is the thanks. This is the hey, we got Thanksgiving next week card. That's what it is. And what's I mean, crazy it is, really is what's crazy is the, probably the second best fight on this entire card is buried on the prelims. It's Jonathan Pierce versus Joanna Shimbrito. Why this is not on the main card is very good me. Fight. But Randy, let's just, you know look, Randy, you're you're a young man. You're coming off of a huge win. You want to go out and paint the town red a little bit on a Saturday. You want to enjoy your time. You want to enjoy your weekend fresh back from Biloxi, Mississippi, where I'm sure you learned a lot of things about how to party and, and enjoy yourself. So are you going to tell your friends that want to celebrate your win? You know what? I can't come because I have to watch UFC fight UFC Vegas 82, or what are you going to do? Or are you telling your friends let's meet here and do a whole bunch of other things? So I, I might have like a like a different viewpoint than than everybody or than both you guys, right? One thing that's true: this card's fucking trash. Like we know this, right? This card sucks. But the thing that I do like, and and like, the apex gets a lot of heat, right? Because the apex sucks, and nobody wants to fight at the apex and whatever. But what's really good about the apex is that they can put these fights, to, these cards together, and everybody can still get paid, right? So that's really fucking cool because, like. I, I don't think that the I don't think that the promotion is putting this on for the benefit of the promotion, right? Because this card fucking sucks, right? But oh, they are definitely on. putting it on for the benefit of the promotion. What's that? They are definitely putting this on for the benefit of the promotion. I think, I think they're putting these fighters on this card for the benefit of the pro promotion because I don't think any of them are not any of them, but I think generally speaking, like none of these fights could be on like a, a big card. But these fighters are all getting an opportunity to make a lot of money. There's not going to be a like. There might be a crazy, a crazy bit of excitement on it, but this is going to be a, a wide open platform, right? There's nothing they need a star to come to to for this card to liven up, right? So something crazy is going to happen, and someone's going to benefit tenfold. 
I fucking I hate the card. I hate the apex. I hate all those things. But I love that the fighters are getting paid, and I love that all these fighters are getting the opportunity to fight, especially going into the holiday season. The freaking voice of reason. I know we had you here for a reason. Now you're making me like doubt things that I say. Hey, hey man. And of the course, listen. Sucks and this card sucks, but everybody's getting paid. <laughs> Hey, this is coming from a man who may have the most exciting round in the history of the Apex with Adrian Yanez. That freaking first round you guys had was absolutely incredible. <laughs> so uh, real quick, Jed, I want to go back to you about this main event. We have Brandon Allen who's on a nice little run right now. Ever since the Chris Curtis loss and the whole thing with him and Sean Strickland, couldn't kind of had a little thing with Extreme Couture and those two middleweights. But since then, getting wins. Maybe the MMA fighting middleweighty middleweight champ after finishing Christoph Jocko, finished Andre Muniz, got a nice finish in his last fight against Bruno Silva. Now he gets a ranked dude in Paul Craig who moved down to 185 and also finished Andre Muniz. So this is going to be a weird and exciting fight, but like, what are these guys fighting for? Like, who can gain more from a win here between these two guys? Because I think Paul is kind of over a little bit more, but Brendan's really good. He's a little bit younger. He's probably got a higher ceiling, but maybe not like that well-known, I guess I would say, but like, I guess, who do you think can benefit more from a victory here? I mean, they both benefit pretty heavily from a victory here. I think the winner of this is actually going to get a pretty, pretty clear step up at middleweight because I mean, Paul Craig's, you know, he's a, a guy that people like. He was a top 10 dude or whatever at, at light heavyweight inexplicably has a, a win over Jamal Hill at that weight class. So, and Magomed and Goliath, like two of the top five dudes to the weight class. So like he's, and you know, face paint, Scottish got personality. They like him. So if he gets a win here, he's, he's a top 10 win. I'm looking at the UFC rankings right now, Brandon Allen's number 10. I think they'll give him a real step up in competition. He'll get, you know, Robert Whitaker probably won't take a fight with him, but you know, he'll get, Roman deletes or something of, of that ill kind of put him into real contention. And the same goes for Brendan Allen, who's still very young on a terrific win streak. He's like won six in a row or something like that and has been really impressive. And middleweight is sort of in a transition moment right now. We've got a little bit of an older guard showing their age, some, some new talent kind of emerging and Brendan Allen can kind of be at the forefront of that with the win here. So they're not fighting for a title shot. They're pro probably not even fighting for a title eliminator, though that's maybe a little closer to the to the truth of, of the matter. The winner of this is fighting to elevate themselves into real contention, not just I have a number next to my name. The winner of this is going to get a fight that will be for a title eliminator fight. So they're one away from being one away, essentially, So w with a win here. Randy, who needs this win more? Brennan Allen or Paul Craig? I think I think I think uh, Brennan Allen's in the driver's seat. Driver's seat here. I think obviously the big bonus of them both fighting each other is that they're going to get a, a twenty-five thousand, I think twenty-five thousand dollars main event bonus. Um, but in what Jed was saying about them like elevating their careers, I agree. But I think this does a ton for Brendan Allen because I think Brendan Allen has all the skill sets to be like a real big-time player in eighty-five. But I think the thing that he lacks is the marketability. I don't think he's the most charismatic guy. I don't think he's the most, like, interesting guy to, like, listen, talk to, or, like, funny is. Or I don't think he's any any of those things, but he's a fantastic fighter. And I think that everybody above him in the rankings, they I think that they'll be, that they'll be able to, like, negate 
the lack of charisma that he brings and, and kind of carry that through. Because if you look at everybody that's ranked ahead of him, you're dealing with like Marvin Vittori and, and, and like uh, Drickus and, 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 all, and all those kind of guys who like people know who they are. I don't think anybody knows who Brendan Allen is. But I think Brendan Allen can compete with the best of them. And I think that a win over Paul Craig this weekend does huge things for his career. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think Brendan needs this one more. He is young, but I think the best thing for him, you know, even without kind of gaining charisma, is just you just got to keep winning. You just got to keep winning. And I think it is this is a crucial fight for Brendan Allen because if Paul Craig loses, like, so what? People love Paul Craig and they'll watch him fight anybody and he's still going to do fine. Brendan, who I think does have title potential, he can't really lose right now. Like this is not the time for him to lose, especially with this division being what it is right now, being as interesting with it as it is. Izzy and Sean Strickland and Drickus and Hamzad and some of these other guys coming up, some fresh matchups potentially. I think Brendan needs this one a lot more. And not only does he need a great performance in the octagon, I think he needs a great performance on the mic as well. He needs to be very smart and realistic with his callouts. If he goes out there and smushes Paul Craig and then calls for a title shot, I'm going to rip whatever hair on my head is left just out. It's going to be gone. So just be realistic. Call for like a Marvin Vittori. And then you get an A-plus from me, Brendan Allen. That's what I think. Uh. Do you though? Who cares about Marvin Vittori? Like it's Paulo not Costa. a bad... Like just don't call for a title shot and don't call for Hamza. I don't think, it, I don't think we'll get Paulo Costa. I'm trying to think who we would get, and I don't. Vittori's know. a good pick. Why isn't that? A it good would pick? be Vittori. Vittori. I mean, yeah, so that's cut. like that's a reasonable one to get. But I'm just, I'm never gonna be excited about the prospect of Marvin Vittori fighting because I've watched Marvin Vittori fight. It's like that doesn't that doesn't get me going. I thought you were a big Vittori guy. I I appreciate what Marvin Vittori is able to accomplish. It is not a pretty sight to watch him fight. I, I think I think Brendan Allen smokes Marvin Vittori, if I'm being honest with you. He might. I think At this great point, match. Marvin's definitely falling off. I think Brendan Allen beats a lot of guys in the division. But like I said, I don't think he has like – it's the ultimate marketing championship, and I think that's the part that he's missing. What's Roman Delize doing these days, Mike? You You know these things. He says he signed a contract for a fight, so I don't know who that is. Oh, and I think he's only ranked not. one above Brennan Allen, too. I don't, I don't think that fight's even, like, a thing. He's a couple spots above him in the UFC fight, in the UFC rankings. Yeah. Uh, but that, like, that just would be way cooler because Roman Delice is quite fun to watch compete. You're going to get on the same kind of situation where you're going to put these guys to headline another Apex car or something, though. I think Brendan needs and deserves with a win over Paul Craig to kind of get a bump and fight somebody that kind of brings brings uh, bring, brings a little, like, I, pizzazz with him. I agree that he deserves. I don't think Marvin Vittori brings pizzazz. Marvin Vittori does bring a better number. That's Yeah, but, you know what I mean. I mean, yeah, This is just the other part of the problem. Middleweight might, Mike, become a squatters division, which I'm looking at it now, and I'm not very pleased with that. But, like, Jared Cannonier's out for a while with the injury. It's, it's top-heavy. Yeah, Robert Whitaker's not going to fight Brandon Allen like that. No. Why would he do that? Uh, Maybe Cannonier sitting out for a while. Cannonier's hurt though, isn't he? Didn't he like blow out his knee? Did he blow out his knee, or was it just like a, I don't think it was like a full bl- knee blowout? I, in my head, it's he he blew out an MCL, but that is MCL maybe. I, I, I that is not a thing that I am confident in saying. That's just yeah. what is in my head. So well, we'll see what happens. We'll move on. Point for round four goes call to it Hamza. <laughs> I don't love that. I need the point for that fucking statement. 
Everyone should call yeah. it Hamza. It's Jed. It's two to two. It's two to two. Yeah. Nicely done. But Let's Randy was the voice of reason, and I respect that. I really do respect that. So that means we're going to the knockout round. Uh, each of these wonderful competitors will have one minute to answer a very simple question. I think it's going to be a lot of fun here. So, Jed, what are we doing here? Do you want to go first? Do you need the Magic 8-Ball to make your decision for you? Ooh, what do you think? I didn't think about that. Let's ask the Magic 8-Ball. Magic 8-Ball, should I go first? Come on. My reply is no. I should not go first. Oh. So Magic 8-Ball so can't lead me first. astray. All right, Randy, we're, 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 we're embarking on your territory right now. You are the face of bare knuckle MMA, at least in my opinion. So here's the question. We didn't really get to talk a lot about the card, but it was a, a pretty fun watch. The main event was uh, a little weird. The decision may not have been the right one, but it was uh, it was a pretty violent card. We had the Hector Lombard craziness of he won, he lost, he won again, your fight, etc. But I think people realize like there's something here. So, Randy, very simple question. If you could book one fight for bare knuckle MMA under the game bread banner, it could be anybody, anybody you want. Who would it be? Who would it be? You could pick oh. yourself if you want. I don't care. Fuck, one huh? minute on the clock. Go one on. minute on the clock to choose the bare knuckle fight that I would like to see. Dude, you know, you know it would be a crazy fight, and it's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, it's kind of out of the realm of possibility. It's two different weight classes, but I feel like that might be in the middle. Is Mike Perry versus Jeremy Stevens. That I think that would be fucking crazy. Not maybe not even in MMA, maybe in bare knuckle boxing. Um, but bare knuckle something, I think Mike Perry versus Jeremy Stevens is a lot of fun. I think Jeremy Stevens is fighting at like 155 or 165. So I, I get that it might not even make sense. But if somehow that they could meet at like 70 or something, I think that would be a really fun fight, especially in bare knuckle boxing. There you go. Look at this. The, the anti-Brian Campbell. Brian Campbell would still be talking for another three minutes. And Randy's just like, boom, I'm going to get in, get out, and move this thing along, which I appreciate. Uh, that'd be fun. Uh, Jeremy Stevens actually getting ready to fight in the wonderful world of bare knuckle boxing. He's going to fight uh, fellow former UFC fighter, Jimmy Rivera, December 2nd on that Salt Lake City card. So who knows? Maybe they're fighting to possibly fight Mike Perry in some sort of open weight clash, which I would be down for. So Jed, um, bare knuckle MMA, game bread. You like crazy events. You get to book the craziest fight for the craziest event. What are we doing? Go. So, uh, clarifying question, and I won't take this much to answer. Am I allowed to use fighters currently under contract in the UFC? Yes, you could use any fighters. Oh, what you the? Want. F- no. Come if on. I, can I use said any anybody. Of them. I said well, then, anybody. That's what I thought. I wanted to clarify. So, I think with that stipulation, there are obviously a ton, but I do want to kind of stay true to the roots here. One, okay. uh, I love John Dodson as a bare knuckle uh, boxer, and having him do bare knuckle MMA would be much the same. So I got to have John Dodson because I think that he is just ideal in this sort of world. Uh, and then if I can pick anybody, I think just make John Dodson and Cheeto Vera just run into each other and bare knuckle. That just seems sick. Uh, Cheeto Vera is a dude who I am real confident would not mind getting down bare knuckle. And so I think that that fight would just kick all the ass. Uh, so if I can do that, I'll do that. And if not, I'll do Dotson, Kyoji Horiguchi, and Bare Knuckles if, if we don't want to allow me to use UFC fighters. Hey, listen, I'm watching all of that. Uh, someone asked me and AK on our on to the next one, asks anything show. If you get book a Ryzen New Year's Eve card, just a random one, who would you pick? And I picked John Dotson versus Manel Cop as a fight on that card. So those two Bare Knuckle <laughs> boys would be ridiculous. 
That's a good fight. Thank you. Randy, since since you were upset, um, I heard the what the fuck from you. What would be your choice, <laughs> including UFC fighters? Then? Dude, I, 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 Tito would, that's a sneaky good, good idea. That's a sneaky good idea. But I'd like to retract. I think in bare knuckle MMA, I think Jeremy Stevens versus Chad Mendes. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Chad Mendes has a bare knuckle boxing. And Jeremy Stevens is doing a bare knuckle box. Shit, sign me up for bare knuckle boxing or bare knuckle MMA, and that's a very realistic thing. Uh, hopefully, whatever promotion puts that together gives me ten percent. Oh, I like it. See, you're trying to earn some, try, <laughs> trying to earn that matchmaking cut right there. That's, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to help you out here. Uh, so go ahead and vote. Go ahead and vote. Uh, is it Randy Costa, big winner Give from this me- past weekend? Give me Gaethje Benoit Sandini. Oh my in God! Bernacle. Get off of me, dude. That is that. That's so ridiculous. That is so ridiculous. Benoit Sandini is an animal. That dude is a freaking <laughs> monster, man. That you know what another good one would be, dude? Max Holloway versus Nate Diaz in bare knuckle. That would be a good one. That would be a Max really good one. Holloway Poirier would be good in bare knuckle. I mean, there'd just be so many. Just just Holly match Gaethje? up all the Holly fun Gaethje? dudes. Oh my God, Gagey has to be involved somewhat. Gagey versus name any fighter, and I think we have something. So go ahead and cast your votes. Uh, we will have a preview show, probably be about 18 minutes long for UFC Vegas 83 tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. We are going to record uh, a very a brand new edition of Damn They Were Good. I'm not going to tell you unless Jed wants to tell you who it's on, but we are recording it to be released, I believe, Thanksgiving ish time, sometime next week. I'm looking sometime forward to next this. Week. I am looking forward to this one. It's going to be a lot of fun. Stipe um, fucked it all up, Mike. It was supposed to be Stipe because he was supposed to fight and then retire, but it didn't happen, so we had to audible. But I think it's going to be a good one. This is way better. This is a way better one. I think one, it's going to be a good one. If we're being honest. Uh, but Casey's here, so that means we probably have a winner. We do. We do. Oh, because no one asked. The, the fight I would book in Bare Knuckle MMA would be Tommy Aspinall versus John Jones. <gasps> yeah that's just cheating <laughs> if we're doing that i'm going to book francis and ganu versus john Drew. yeah well francis is the guest ref you know oh man i think i say parker porter versus john jones too and then we're cooking with gas we need, well, parker we, need we, that, that, we, we gotta build that up we can't just throw that out there you gotta build it no, i completely agree that, yeah. completely agree yeah uh all right casey who wins besides all the all the viewers oh your winner today with 55% of the winning votes is Jed Mishu. Wow. wow. What? <laughs> I'm stunned. I can't be held that... down, Mike. You know what? You're not Randy, judging. Randy only... Randy doesn't go to decisions. He only finishes fights. It's uncharted territory. It's <laughs> true. Uncharted territory for him. Uh, Dad, how are we feeling here, buddy? This is. Uh, I am fucking stunned. Surprised. I thought I was cooked from literally the moment that it started. And Randy was telling us, like, very heartfelt about, you know, overcoming the adversity and how tough things have been. And then this year, being able to bounce back. I was like, oh, good. I have no fucking shot. And then this happened. And, Mike, I'm going to just bleed right into my 30 seconds here because I know why this happened. And why this happened is because I'm a man of vision. I'm a man of foresight. And I'm the only man with the cojones to say the truth that we all know in our hearts. John Jones... You scared of Tommy Aspinall. 
Not just that, John, you need to fight Tom Aspinall for your legacy because when you retire, when the GOAT conversation is being had, John, I know this, my GOAT, I could never have a GOAT that would be scared. I can't say he's the GOAT and then also be like, buddy was scared. No. So if you're too scared to fight him, you are no longer the GOAT. You are removed from that conversation entirely, John. Don't be scared, homie. Fight Tom Aspinall. Prove me wrong. I mean, that 30 seconds is why Casey Lydon is the best producer in the game. The slow zoom on Jed as he's making his case to John was incredible. Uh, Randy, you're the man. Um, you won in, in the hearts of everybody else, but uh, what do you want to say? You, get, you can say whatever you want here. Um, talk about whatever you want to talk about. The floor is yours. No, man. I mean, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, this journey is excited for whatever's next. And... Uh... Yeah, man. Stay tuned, man. Working on it. Hopefully have something ironed out like sometime next week. Um, hopefully in, uh, an exciting 2024 ahead. That's what we like to hear. Casey, you can hit the music. We are done. You know who's not what scared of Tom to Aspinall? Fun. Randy. Randy'd Randy fight him. Randy's featherweight. Randy'd right fight him. I'm a phantom weight. <laughs> <laughs> was it? I, I he went up a weight class because he's. A, I was say, wasn't the Jason Knight fight at featherweight? Am I mistaken? No, this was that, that one was featherweight, but yeah. Oh, so, yeah. And he'd fight Tom Aspinall. Fuck it, dude. Same. Let's go. Well, Same. maybe we'll be back next week to talk about Randy Costa versus Tommy Aspinall for the <laughs> interim heavyweight title, but who knows what we're going to talk about on next week's show. It will not be a live show, obviously, because we're not going to do a show on Thanksgiving, but Jed and I will do a little something, something. Thank you for watching. For Randy, for Jed, Casey on the ones and twos, the iconic voice of Esther Lynn takes you home. I am Mike Cat back next week. Good night, everybody. Love y'all. This has been Between the Links, an MMA fighting production on the Vox Media Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.